So like I'd said before, it was hot, and when I'd run outside, I could feel the sweat dripping off me like rainwater. I scratched Lionel good and hard behind his ears. Quiet, boy, I told him, and he settled down so that he was just whimpering, but I could see from his eyes he still ain't liked it one bit. Then I heard another bell ringing, except this one was quieter, and it came from across the street and up a ways. It was old Tommy Robertson, just come walking on out of Hank's general store, looking all suspicious. Why are you messing with that dog, boy? No, sir. I promise I ain't done nothing to him, I said. Now don't you lie to me. That's the scaredest dog I've heard in a long time. What you done to him? Nothing. Promise I hadn't done nothing to him. He's just being a dog is all, I said, trying to sound official and to convince him to leave us be, before he'd gone on and caused a whirlwind of trouble without knowing better. And now, the way I see it, I'm sure Mr. Tommy Robertson wouldn't believe me and gone off on his way, except that just then there was the loudest explosion that the little town of Blytheville had ever seen, and it shook the roots of Main Street like a cat in a dog's mouth. And even though I didn't know it at the time, that sound had gone on and changed my whole life without even my agreeing to it. When I heard that awful sound, I'd seen those two boys, who'd been robbing the First City Bank of Arkansas, come running on out of those shiny double doors like a bunch of strangled chickens, and the tall one grabbed at me so I'd be a shield for him against the bank owner, Mr. Peterson, and his appropriately stowed twenty-gauge shotgun. You let him go, Mr. Peterson threatened, pushing out the double doors. Now you know I can't do that, the fellow said, just before he backed me up against the wood-paneled trim of a deluxe 1940 Ford wagon, reaching behind him to pull the handle open. And before I'd known what had happened... We was gone, and Lionel was chasing on after us like a champ, trying to bite the tires off the car as we sped on down the road. I wish I could say he was able to stop us, but it weren't no use. Though he's a fine watchdog, he ain't no good against a big old car like that, nor against folks who want to get on out of a place in a dead-awful hurry. Chapter 5 So there we was, screaming on down the road like a mad devil, headed on down toward Big Lake just about as fast as those boys had known to go, and swerving on the dirt cause they was driving so fast. I hadn't never set foot in a fancy car like that before, nor was I ever hostage in a bank robbery before, and maybe the natural part of me would have liked it more, that is, if I wasn't so scared of being shot and left for dead at the present time. The car was rattling and shaking something fierce, but then I heard the big one start talking. We gotta get rid of him, Johnny. And the tall one, who was sitting next to me in the back, looks behind him, trying to see through our cloud of dust before he speaks up. Honestly, we got the whole town hot on our tails, we ain't gonna stop here and make it any easier for him. Then open the door and toss him out for all I care. He comes back. Ungrateful, 
This pretty boy here has just done saved my life from an untimely shooting, he yells, messing up my hair like he was proud of me. And you expect me to just go on and throw him out in the street? What kind of criminal do you think I am? Fine, but if he causes us even an ounce of trouble, I don't care. I'll tie him up and leave him here. And I was pretty sure he'd meant it, because I'd seen his reflection in the rearview mirror. Then the tall one, who was chewing his piece of gum still, cocks his head to the side and looks at me. You ain't gonna cause us no trouble, are you, boy? No, sir. Promise, I said. See there, he yells up at the big boy who was driving. He promises. And the tall guy laughs, kind of a quick, jumpy sort of laugh. And we go on, racing down the dirt road towards Big Lake, not knowing when, if ever, I'd return.